So, you ever seen a lump of coal? Oh, the things that you find in an archive. I'm inside the Winter Park Public Library. It's in the low 40s tonight, and as the sun sets, I had to get a little more bundled up. It is without a doubt the coldest day of the winter so far, but the warm light from inside the library is inviting. I went to school and basically lived right across the street from this building for years, but I've spent more time inside after graduation than before. Tonight when I enter, I head right for a small room at the back of the main floor with large glass windows that look into a handful of huge rolling bookcases stacked to the brim with boxes, folders, books, and more. I'm inside for barely a minute when the archivist Rachel Simmons brings out that piece of coal. It's the size of my fist, jet black, a jagged piece of rock. Rachel is wearing a thin cloth glove, and the coal itself is wrapped in a thin sheet placed in its own box with a note inside that reads, Hey Dean, here's a piece of coal from the old dinky, dinky tr- the yeah. dinky train, the one that f- drove to Altamont, right? Uh, well, uh, Sanford. Oh, right. It drove, it actually drove basically through what is Rollins' campus now. Dean was a past archivist for the library, and he received this lump of coal in April of 2005. It's been comfortably in storage here since then. What? This was found at the Genius Preserve. They, they found it next to some of the tracks. So, so what am I looking at? It's, 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 it's like a... It's just a lump of coal. It's truly just a, a legit... It's what they would have broken up and tossed into the furnace to keep the steam engine going. The Dinky Lane referenced in the letter was a railroad built in the late 1880s as a way to connect several small towns in the Orlando area. It went through the undeveloped wilderness of Central Florida and allowed visitors to traverse between towns with ease for the first time. It was a tiny little train, basically a commuter train with only four or five cars, and it eventually expanded further north towards Sanford by the early 1890s. Centuries later, someone found this old rock. It, it, they just they found just, it. It was just like around, what? and they just yeah, it was laying on the ground. That's amazing. And they were like, "Well, this has to go to the archive." Yeah, pretty much. Rachel Simmons is the archivist here. She knows everything about everything in this room. Just looking around, taking peeks down the aisles, you see boxes of all shapes and sizes, stacks of documents through various ages, organized in ways you can't process. Rachel has it all memorized, locked into her mind. Even stuff that many might find mundane, she knows it. I asked her, do you have other artifacts or just things like this lump of coal? Most of it, most of it is um, documentation. Uh, maps, photographs, your typical stuff. But I do occasionally come across really cool things like this. Um, one of the things that, I, that has actually been accepted And with that, tenure, Rachel is off to another section of the archive, pulling a different box from the shelf, the perfect example of what she's trying to represent. Her knowledge is dizzying, and she delivers all of it with ease and clarity. We spent a little over an hour chatting, and in that time, I learned a lot. So much that I couldn't even believe it. I'm Nick D'Alessandro, and this is Wait 5 Minutes, a podcast about Florida by a Floridian. We're between seasons right now, and while the new episodes are in production, we're going to spend a little time with some Floridians and talk about the amazing work that they do to make Florida and their towns a little better. This week... Rachel Simmons, the archivist of the Winter Park Public Library. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, because we, we, we have a really bad habit of getting portrayed terribly in all forms of media. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah, if you go to the... Ar- in the archive, like an archive, which is really just library for old stuff. When you, when you really boil it right down to it. Um, and if my mentor uh, comes across this, he's probably not going to be happy with me for describing it that way. But it is. It's a library for old stuff. It's not a museum. It's something you, you actually go through and research in. So, but the word archive, it sounds arcane. It sounds magical. And it's really not. <laughs> it's really, here's a bunch of paper. Rachel Simmons has been the archivist for the library for a little over three years. And in that time, she has encountered questions of all shapes and sizes. She trained to be a librarian and an archivist at the University of Alabama. She moved to Florida from Alabama and eventually found this position here. It is a unique job, certainly. Libraries are all collections of books, sometimes historic, but archives, like the one Rachel is running, is rare. It's not common for them to be as public-facing as this one is. Most aren't. Most are behind closed doors, hidden away, and rarely are face-to-face with the people the way Rachel is. A lot of them, she says, are hidden in plain sight, like for companies or for cities. But this is not like that. Her archive is behind wall-sized glass windows that open the small shelves out to the world. The archive is visited by people who hope to find a little scrap of memories, to look at yearbooks or phone books or even old photos or designs of their homes. A person came in and asked for, like, look, I want to know about the history of my house. And I looked at the address and I'm like, that looks familiar. Wait a minute. And so I went to our James Gamble Rogers architectural sketches collection, and lo and behold, here's the original architectural sketches for your house! They were like, this is a really weird house, this is a really interesting house, and we bought it, and we love it, but we want to find out, like, who owned it before, and I had a, you know, file half an inch thick, but, you know, about the history of this house and the architect, and they're like, holy crap! Yeah. This is, I was expecting you to tell me to go to somewhere else. Yeah. Was not expecting this. But that's not all. Rachel has loads of more items, including sculptures from a local artist. This is actually the Harriet Lustig collection. Harriet Lustig was a, um, an independent artist. She lived here for many years. And when she passed away, her son gave us a collection of about 20, 21 statues. Um, some of them complete, some of them not. You can see the wire ones here. Um, and those are actually ones that she had been working on, but never got around to completing. She's got lithographs from an architect. So these are lithography. So these little guys are where someone has actually, um, technically carved a picture. Although these guys are photogravier, which means that they were actually done from a photograph. Basically, it's a very similar process to developing a photograph, but you develop it on metal instead of paper. She's got bottles from a local dairy. If you actually look, it says the Lake Mont Dairy. So, you know, Lake Mont Avenue, that's where this dairy was located. It's back in the um, early, late 1800s, early 1900s. And all of Lake Mont Avenue used to be a dairy farm. 
She has the strangest collection of items and she has people who are bringing in stuff like this all the time and people with questions that she doesn't always have the answers to. Sometimes people ask about the Revolutionary War in Florida. The Revolutionary War didn't really happen in Florida so Rachel has to send them elsewhere but every once in a while she tells me she gets something magic. There was a guy, he's like, He's probably in his 80s now, but he was probably about 76 when he called. And this was like my first year working here. And he called wanting to know, he gave me this story about he, he lived here when he was about six or seven. And this was, of course, you know, 70 odd years ago. And he was wanting to find out where his mother was buried. He lived with his mother for six years. She was apparently in the mil she was in the military in some capacity, but I can't remember um, what branch she was in. But she he knew she was buried here in Winter Park, and he said, "I remember we lived on Lyman, and I know that we basically went from the apartment straight to the gravesite, and it was very, very close to there." But aside from that, I don't remember the cemetery she's buried in. I don't know anything about the Winter Park area. He left when he was six, moved to some, I, th I think he moved to New England somewhere with his family, and never came back here again. And he was trying to find his mother's grave. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all right, what's the closest cemetery to line? <laughs> Pineywood. It turns out, turns out it was Pineywood, and I'm like, uh-huh. All right, so I called up uh, the, her name's Jana. She actually runs the, um, she's one of the folks that runs the cemeteries here in Winter Park. Well, as it turns out, uh, Piney Wood and Palm cemeteries are both owned by the city, and they have a catalog of everybody that's buried there, even if they don't have a headstone. So, um, as a result, we were actually able to find that guy's uh, mother's grave. This man would not have found out about his mother's burial place if someone hadn't made the active choice at one point to record that information. And that information is not just collected haphazardly and thrown into this room. No, it has to be organized in a very specific, calculated way. And that order is not always chronological or alphabetical. Sometimes it takes a little more. Most of these were taken in 1985, but you'll notice they're all different houses. These are all different places. So the order then that I get advised on the way these photographs were originally arranged were by address. So I left them basically in the order that they came in. During telling me about this, Rachel brings out a box of photographs of homes that were given to her. She's gathered them not just by address, but by neighborhoods within Winter Park. She pulls one out, and to inspect the picture further, I grab it lightly between my pointer and my thumb. Rachel stops me and gently places the photo back in the box. I may have just put an imprint into the photo with my big, dumb thumb. She insists that it's alright, but I felt guilty for the next day, and I couldn't figure out why, but then I remembered something we had discussed earlier. History doesn't just magically preserve itself. It's an active process, and... The process of forgetting is also an active process. Putting all your photo family photographs in a basement somewhere and then letting that basement flood, that is an active, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's actively editing a historical record. Now, did you mean for it to flood? No, but that wasn't the best place for those photographs, now was it? <laughs> <laughs> 
This archive is not just a collection of ideas or concepts or records lumped together. To say that it is a collection of memories is false as well. It's much bigger than that, because memories are static. They're experienced, put away, and then experienced again in some altered, remembered version. This archive is community-facing, and because of this, the collection itself is growing and changing while helping the community itself grow and change. It's in constant communication with the community that it is meticulously observing. With Rachel as the archivist and a city that is willing to communicate, the archive is less like a memory bank and more like a brain, storing even the things that could be easily forgotten, processing it and then learning more with each passing day. There's an effort present in keeping it all safe, and nowhere is that more evident than in the lone copy of a newspaper called the Winter Park Advocate. It's the thing that Rachel wishes she had more of. Okay, so the Advocate is a royally cool newspaper. So it was one of two newspapers in the late 1800s that was actually owned and operated by an African-American here in the state of Florida. Now, uh, the Advocate, the Winter Park Advocate, was owned by Gus Henderson, who is one of the coolest people ever. You can fight me. <laughs> Gus Henderson was born in Lake City in 1862. He moved to Winter Park in his adulthood and there began his own newspaper, The Advocate, that he ran almost entirely on his own. He was kind of Winter Park's uh, first AP news. And so he, he would. He was the reporter, the editor, and the typesetter. He did, he did the newspaper. Um, and he actually also apprenticed under a tinsmith. So the font that you see, that that paper printed in? He made that. He wrote the articles, set the type, even created his own font. It was one of the two black-run newspapers in the state at the time, and Gus used it to bring about the incorporation of Winter Park as a city. Before incorporation, more than half of the registered voters in Winter Park were black. There were 64 black voters and only 47 white voters. Gus was well-respected throughout the city, but his influence brought in more support. He ensured that the historically black neighborhood of Hannibal Square would be included within the borders of the new city of Winter Park. His efforts were successful, and the city was incorporated on October 12, 1887. He was 25 years old. He ran his newspaper for two years before moving to Orlando proper and starting yet another newspaper there. In a drawer by the front door of the archive laid out flat beneath clear plastic covering is a copy of the advocate. It's a little brown with time and there's a few wrinkles and tears on the corners, but the letters are clear. There are illustrations and bold headlines all set masterfully on the huge page. Gus Henderson's efforts cover every single inch of this page and more than anything, Rachel wishes she had more. I'm grateful at least for this one. See, this sort of thing would not exist without people like Rachel and another group led by a former professor from town, Dr. Julian Chambliss, is collecting and organizing excerpts from historic newspapers to gather more of Gus's writing. And somewhere in all of that effort, there's a clear line of possession. Someone in the 1880s got a copy of Gus's paper and whether or not they knew its significance, they kept it. And then it was given to someone else, and then maybe someone else, who knows how many hands it passed through. But now, it's safe in the living mind of the Winter Park Library Archive. That's the thing that's most evident from Rachel's work, that she is working to keep all of this safe, where it should be calculated and organized correctly. 
so that you can come in and she can show you the things that she has gathered. Rachel Simmons watches the door and she waits for more information, more documents, more memories, ready to expand on the collected stories of the town she calls home. Thank you so much for listening to Wait 5 Minutes. This was the first episode of Floridians, a short-form series where I get to talk to some amazing Floridians about the ways that they help their communities thrive. Next week, there will be another episode of Floridians, so keep an eye out for that next Monday. Season 3 is in production right now. You can expect the premiere in mid-January. I am so excited for what this season holds, and if you have an idea for a future episode, please reach out to me at wfmpod at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at wfmpod. I would love to hear from you. Also, while you're here, why not go and leave a review? This show is headed into a big, amazing, important third season, and one of the most important things that you can do to make this show grow is to leave a positive five-star review right below. I look forward to hearing what you love about this show. All of the music used in this episode is from Lobo Loco. You can find more at the link in the description below. I would like to give a very special thank you to Rachel Simmons. She is such a delight. I loved talking to her. If you're ever able to hang out at the Winter Park Public Library, please do. She teaches classes there all the time, and all of the classes there at the library are just amazing. All of our programs, all of our classes, all of our events, unless it's specified that there's a materials fee, it is free. It is free. You do not have to have a library card to come. Mm -hmm. If I'm teaching a class about the history of history, which I did a couple of months ago, you can come and you can heckle me. I'd rather you not, but I would love for you to come. She also gives tours around Winter Park and she will begin doing so again in April, so please look out for those. I cannot imagine a better way to spend an afternoon than listening to the fantastic stories that Rachel has to tell. That's all I've got. I'll see you next Monday with another episode. Until then, I'm Nick D'Alessandro. Be good to yourself, be good to others, and drink more water. Have a good week. <laughs>